So, but I'm excited today. We are going to wrap up this message, this series that we've been on for the last three weeks. And I've really enjoyed preaching and teaching on this. Have y'all been enjoying it, learning, getting something from it? Amen. That makes me happy. You know, and we're going to be continuing this message. It's titled Family Matters. Y'all say that with me. Family Matters. Amen. And it does. And you know who else knows that it does? Uh, the enemy, the devil. Uh, and he has been doing each and everything that he can to creep into the family. Uh, and it's our families are under attack. Our families in our homes and our church families are also under attack. Because the enemy even knows that family matters. Family is important. There is nothing that outweighs the importance of our families and what we bring to the table and what God wants to do in and through us. And because families matter, we said that for us, talking about this, getting a game plan, getting a vision, how can we take our families and our church families back for the glory of God, sitting, talking about that, that means for us it's a family matter, right? When you have family matters in your home, you gather the family around the the kitchen table or, or in the living room, you shut the TV off, you get together, you get a plan, you get a vision, you talk it through, you say, this is the issue, and this is what we're going to do. And that's what God has been doing for us. We've been talking through this, figuring out how we can take back land that really we as believers and Christians have literally surrendered to the enemy. That's the issue. That's the problem. The church has got lazy. The church house has got lazy, and Christians, members of the living, breathing body, Church of Christ, has gotten lazy. So we can, we can get mad at the enemy, but a lot of times we got to look in the mirror and say, you know what, I played a role in this because I probably didn't do something, because I probably got lazy. And so church, I hope you're ready to, to run with me. Who's going to run with me? Amen. To fight for our families. We got another baby on the way. And so I'm ready to fight and run uh, for my family, and I'm ready to fight and run for my church family, my forever family, amen? So let's look at our foundational scriptures that we used as we kicked this off two weeks ago. It comes out of Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and through 28. It says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Only two sexes, just in case you're not paying attention, just two, just a male, just a female, that's a different message for a different day, but I'll give that to you for free today. Verse 28, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. God wants to bless our families and do things His way so that we can be blessed be fruitful so we can multiply and so that we can actually govern the things that God has surrounded us with. God knows that we can do more with people around us than we can by ourselves. God wants to not just bless your family, He wants to grow your family and enhance your family. And really God uses the, the physical family, each and every family that we all have a part of, and a church family to come together to supplement that family being even bigger and expanding uh, your territory and for us to, to continue to grow and learn in the ways of God and in the truth of God, right? 
Look at Ephesians 2, verse 19. This is our, our other foundational scripture that we used. It says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens. Somebody say citizens. Citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. If you believe in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, you are a citizen of heaven. God calls you his child. If you by faith believe in Jesus, that's where you have to start. If you've never done that or never made that decision or never given that part of your heart or your life that says, you know, I'm going to believe, I'm going to trust in you, God, that your son came to live and die for me, for my sins, I promise you there'll be a moment for you today to do that, for you to take your rightful seat at the table, the massive table that God has uh, in his forever family. He's got a table and a seat with your name on it. Amen? And so if you've never done that, there'll be a moment for you today, I promise for you to make that decision. But let's look at that next point. So we, we said all that really to say that there's a, there's a physical family that we all have a, a, a play a part and a role in, and there's a physical family that God has blessed us with. And there's also his forever family, a healthy, life-giving church. If you don't have a home church, uh, we'd love to have you. Uh, but God wants you to be planted in the house of God and his forever family as well. And so this point, it says, the foundation stone of all society is the family. Before there was community, a school, government, God created the family. Think of that. Before all the things that we have, as man have created, God created man first. All the things that we create, because God made us in His image, He's the ultimate creator, we're created in His image, and so we create and so it says, before there was community, school, and government, God created the family. As believers in Jesus Christ, we also have a spiritual family. We call it, here at Liberty Church Holly Pond, our forever family, our church family. God originally planned, originally ordained for the families and the church families to shape the world around us. What has happened is... The world is molding and shaping our families. It's backwards. And it's because we've gotten lazy. And so if we want to take back, I used this last week, the White House for the kingdom of God, we have to look and focus at where I am currently planted and take advantage of where God has me right now. Yes, do we need a move of God in, in Washington, D.C.? Yes, but realistically, what can we do in, to affect that change in Washington, D.C. from Holly Pond, Alabama? Probably not a whole lot other than calling your, your representatives or your congressmen. But what we can do is I can look at what God has blessed me with and where I currently am. See, and I have a family. I know you have a family too. See, we have a church. And if we start one family at a time, one person at a time, one soul at a time, raising them and discipling them in the truth of who God says that they are and who God says in his word, we can begin to get momentum and there can be a spiritual shift. Somebody say shift. And before we know it, we can have a move of God through the nation. But it has to start with where we currently are. We take Holly Pond back for the glory of God. Then we take Coleman County back for the glory of God. Then we take Alabama back for the glory of God. 
And then we take the United States back for the glory of God. Do you see the steps? We serve a spiritual, amazing, mighty God, but we also serve a practical God. And sometimes we can spin our spiritual gears and have all these, 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 this confusion. And really God says, just, just look at where you are and take the next step. Don't do that because it'll hurt you. Do that because it'll give you life. Right? And that's what he wants to do. Amen? He wants the families in the church to shape the world. When communities began to start, it was the first thing they built in those communities, do you know? The church house. Before they built the courthouse, before they built the school, they built the church. It ain't that way now. And so it, has to, it starts and stops with us, guys. And we can do it. Does anybody believe that we can? Amen. We can. God's with us. He's for us. Right? Look at that next point, uh, that last recap point. We said last week, in our families, we discover our identity and define our values. Our identity determines what we believe about ourselves uh, and the world around us. Uh, and our values determine what we believe about the world and everyone else in it. And so we talked about the importance of our families when you're at home with your family, speaking life, thinking life, calling out the things that the good things, the anointing and the giftings and the talents that your family has, being a leader in the home, uh, and by faith doing that, because we tracked our identities and the values that we, we have all the way back to what? To our words. Because it's our words that begin to shape and mold identities. And it's our identities that begin to reinforce our values and our beliefs. Talk about practicality. Somebody doesn't even know who they are. Somebody thinks they're less than, that they can't, that, that nobody loves them, probably because of a word that was spoken over them. Come on, somebody. Maybe somebody here this morning is still dealing with a word that was spoken over you. And your whole ide- you're in an identity crisis because of that one word. And so if we want to take back our, 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 our communities and our nation for the glory of God, it, uh, it starts with faith, but it also has to start with our words and declaring our identity and who God calls us. And also respecting each and every other person and their identity as well. We talked about that last week, right? No matter what race, creed, religion, what you are, I will respect you. If I don't disagree with your lifestyle, I will pray for you. But in that person's presence, I will respect them and honor them, right? Because if I don't, what do I do? I bring a a bad name to the church. I I bring a bad name to Jesus Christ, right? He's my identity, so everything that I do, everything that I touch is in representative of who I say I believe in, right? And that's how we begin to get people to question our faith, too. When I really say and act and do the things that I say I believe in, it begins to, to make people begin to question. Man, this, is, this, this guy or this girl, they really believe in Jesus. They don't just say it, they actually act like him. Right? And that's how we begin to bridge the gap and begin not just take our families back, but to invite other people into God's family. Right? He doesn't want it to just stay stagnant the way it is. He wants it to grow and to flourish. Right? 
And so we, we said all that. We talked about values and words and identity last week. So let's look at that, that next new point. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about how we can cast vision. We have to cast vision with our words, but when we begin to mold and shape our families and our kids using the Word of God, reinforcing their real identity and who they are and, and, and establishing values that will stand and establishing the values and the principles of the Word of God, we have to begin to cast vision on how and where we're going to go to where we're going. The Bible says that my people perish for lack of knowledge. And the Proverbs says, we're going to read it today, that they, they, perish, they perish for lack of vision. And so we need to have not just a, a word from God, but we need his, his voice to give us direction on the ministry that he's placed in my life, over my family, uh, where he currently has me, maybe uh, in the job force, where, where I currently work out in my community, uh, the people that he's surrounded me with. You know, you each have a circle of influence. Each and every one of you gathered here today has a circle of influence, a people God has surrounded you with. He wants you to be a mouthpiece for truth. Our world is starving for truth. So we can sit back and complain and fuss and argue about it. Or we can be the person to speak truth where God has planted me. And if I speak truth, maybe that truth will multiply and begin to grow. Do you see that? How simple it is? Right? So each and every one of us has to use the things that God has given us. Right? So, but let's, that, let's look at that, that first point today. It says, in our families, we must develop this vision. Our identity and our values, which we talked about last week, they create a filter. Somebody say filter. Through which we see our lives, uh, our future, and the world around us. The vision that we have, each and every one of us has a type of vision. We're going to call it a filter for today. Who has a cell phone? Each and every person, right? On a lot of our social media apps, what do they call that thing that you can change what your picture looks like, right? It's a filter, right? And so a lot of us are walking around, living, speaking, thinking with the wrong, somebody say wrong, types of filters, God wants to literally change your perspective, the filter of what you experience life and see life and experience problems and see problems. Now, the problem itself might not actually change the thing you're praying about for maybe a week or for maybe a year, maybe 10 years. But what, what the filter of faith does is it begins to shift your thinking and the way you see that thing. It's not, it hasn't happened yet, but I'm believing in something different. I'm believing in what God has said, right? Come on, somebody. And so this is how the type of vision that we have to not just walk out for our families, but we have to cast and pass this type of value and vision down to our kids. Now, and just because I, I live this, it doesn't make me a liar. See, I feel like sometimes something on the inside of us thinks, well, if I, if I call that thing, the way I want it to be because God declares it, but it's not yet. Am I? No, you're not a lie. You're speaking and believing faith and life. That's a lie of the enemy. You have to believe that things that have not happened yet are going to happen. And speak it by faith and think faith and think, and think life. Right? And so our vision must be the filter by which we live 
and operate. And we don't need just positivity, come on, somebody. We need the, the vision of God. you got to be in this every day to download that vision, to download that filter. Before you get to work, you need the filter of the love and the peace and the joy that comes with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't, you get in the car, you turn the radio on before you know it, now you have the filter of whatever you're listening to. You bring that filter to work, then whatever filter all those people have been uh, enjoying and looking and living through that morning, now it's just a chaotic mess. And death is multiplied. And death is reproduced. And God wants to use you. And if you are here today, I feel like God has a plan and a purpose for you. God, it's not a surprise that you're here. God wants you here for a reason. It's because he wants you to know that you're called, you're appointed, you're anointed. And he wants to use you as an instrument of righteousness. And not just for you. It's, gonna, it's not only going to help you uh, and manifest the good things of God in your life, but it's going to spread out of you. It's going to come forth out of you. And your families will be blessed, and the, your coworkers will be blessed. Right? Everything that you touch will be blessed. Look at, look at Proverbs 29, 18. I got a little ahead of myself, right? Where there is no vision, somebody say vision. Go ahead and highlight that, underline that if you want. We're talking about vision today. The people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So we need not just our vision, not just uh like I said, positivity, but we need his vision for all these things to come together, the little the, the pieces of the puzzle to be to, to come together. Amen. So here, here's the thing: there is no success and contentment without a vision and a plan. There's, there's no success, there's, there's no victory, excuse me, without a plan. If you don't have a have a plan that you're defeated before you even get started. So you have to have, have a game plan, and you have to trust in the one, right? And our families are no different. So you need victory for your personal life. You need victory for your spiritual life. And does anybody believe that you want your family to succeed and have the good things, right? Well, guess what? All those good things and dreams and plans and vision I hope that you have for your family, is that just going to happen by itself, what does God want to do? He wants to complete that puzzle with the vision and the pieces that he's given you already. And it's our job to, by faith, figure those out, use what he's given me, pray, believe, and put it together. Because if I don't have a vision, I'm dead. I'm lost. If I don't have a vision... I might be that guinea pig on the, the wheel, right? Sometimes we just lose our vision. And I get it. Life's crazy, right? We got this. We got, we got school. We got ball practice. We got events. We got fun things. We got church. We got all this stuff. And if we don't, if we don't take the time to spend the time with him, you can lose the vision that God has placed in your heart. And it will affect not just you, but it will affect your family. Our, our success is hinging, your success is hinging on that plan or lack of plan. Right? So have a plan. Seek his face. So let's look at that next point. It's a quick little point. So, so I want you to ask this question today. What is your family filter? And then we're going to go ahead and we're going to hit some of these. It's a, it's a filter of, of faith or it's a filter of doubt. 
And so ask the Lord today as I'm, as I'm uh, talking and uh, with you this morning, God, what is my filter in these areas of life? Your filter is how you demonstrate, and this is why it's important for you to, to figure this out, because your filter is how you demonstrate your vision to your family. Right? If you're always just stressed out or you're always on edge or you're always uh, not living by faith, that's the vision that you are casting to your family. Right? And that's the thing that's, that's the value that's going to get passed down. Is that the type of values we want passed down? No, right? We want things to outlive us, good godly things to outlive us, right? And so we all have a filter, and we really need all these things to be a filter of faith. So look at that first one. So do you have a filter of victory? Somebody said victory. Or defeat. Do you have a filter that you live and operate of victory that says, you know what, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm, I don't feel like I'm more than a conqueror all the time, but I know that God has placed that identity in me, right? Or do I live defeated? Do I just let the world kick me around? You know how the people that live defeated walk, uh, live, right? They, 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 they walk around like this and look at the feet. <clears throat> that was supposed to be funny. They look at the feet. And so, do you live a life of victory, or do you, do you live a life of defeat? And you could probably answer that pretty quick in your heart, right? It's okay at times to feel defeated. We all fail, but you can't stay there. If you stay there, the enemy will have his way with you. you got to get up. The righteous fall, but they get up, right? And so, if... It, does your family believe that they can? This is the vision, that, uh, the filter we have to pass on. The, the vision that you know what, no matter who you are, you can. It's not going to be easy. The best things in life are the hardest things that you have to do. The best blessings in life, it costs the blood, the sweat, and the tears. Right? These are the values. This is the vision that we have to pass on to our, to our families. This is the, the type of vision that I have to pass on to Xander right? and the new baby Westbrook in the oven. It's my job to pass that on. And, and I can't just say that. I have to live that out for them to see. Right? So dad's not a hypocrite. So that I don't just say that on Sunday and then Monday through, or Sunday through Sunday at home, I look nothing like that. Right? I have to demonstrate that, say that, live that out, and, and routinely use my life if I'm, if I'm feeling... Uh, defeated all the time, I got to stop, slow down and say, you know what? I'm looking through the wrong filter. This isn't a filter of faith. This is not of God. This is a distraction of the enemy. And I bind the distractions and I loosen heavenly things from heavenly places. Did you know you have the authority to do that? All right, so look at Numbers 13, 33-33. An awesome piece of scripture, right? We, we have Caleb and Joshua. Moses has sent them in to, to scope out the, the promised land that they have the vision, the word of God that have said that God wants to give them, right? We're talking about filters, and really only two of them have a good filter of faith, and the rest of them don't, right? Do you all know the story? Verse 30, right? It says, then Caleb uh, quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take this possession, for we are well able, somebody say well able, to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We're not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than us. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land 
from which we have gone uh, as spies, the land that devours its inhabitants and all the people from which we saw in it, the men are great in stature. Then we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we are like grasshoppers in our own sight, and we were in, oh, excuse me, and we were in their sight. Why is it important that not only do we live a, in a filter of faith, but because if you don't, you'll let the world talk you out of what you already know to be true that God has said in your heart. We can't be swayed by the world. We're supposed to look different. We're supposed to walk in the light. And so we need this filter of faith. Caleb and Joshua were walking in this by faith. They believed it. They knew their identity. They, they, they thought that they could. They weren't defeated. They had a, they had a filter of victory. Right? They believed it. Right? And the rest of the people, the masses, so to speak, had taken over. Right? So how you see your problems may determine if you defeat it or your problem defeats you. Do you see that? The filter by which you live, the way that you see your life, the way that you see the obstacles, the way that you see the stuff determines the way that you see it. If you know that you're victorious in Christ, it'll change the way you think. It'll change the way that you live. But if you think that you're defeated, that you can't, that you're not enough, that you're not loved, you'll lose before you even get started. And so how you see your problems determines if you'll defeat it, the problem, or if the problem will defeat you. And so what is your filter? What is your filter today? Come Wednesday morning? Come Sunday? Do you have a good filter on Sunday morning? And then Monday morning comes and it's like, maybe you're saying, I wish I was back in church. I hope you say that type of stuff because there's no better place to be then in the, the church house worshiping with like-minded believers. I, I wish we could just stay and worship every day, all day. You know, that's what heaven's going to be like. But that's why we need a real, tangible faith. Because life ain't easy. I don't always feel victorious on the inside, but I have to know and believe that I am in the eyes of my Father. Right? Look at that next one. This kind of ties into the last one. So do you have a filter of success or failure? Do you demonstrate that for the people around you? Do you demonstrate that to your kids or your grandkids? Does your family expect, somebody say expect, to succeed or to fail? And the crazy thing really is the part of experiencing success is knowing how to deal with all the past failures. Somebody who has succeeded probably had a bunch of mini hiccups, a bunch of mini failures along the way. And the reason they succeeded in the end and had experienced real victory is because they knew how to deal with all the past failures. Right? And so we have to explain this to our families. You know what? Failure is, is, is not final. Come on, somebody. But you know what it is? It is definite. Each and, and I'm not speaking death. Each and every one of us miss it. We will fail. And if I don't know how to deal with that and use what the enemy meant for evil and see that God wanted to use it for my good, 
then I'll stay defeated. And so that's how I have to know how to live by faith, know that things happen, but the most important part is knowing how to deal with those things by my faith in Christ. Knowing that I need, that's why you need people surrounded, surrounding you in your life. Right? When those things happen, when you get blindsided, you know, I need some people to help me see the light, to give me some, some, some good godly advice and these types of things. Right? Look at, look at Joshua 14, 10 through 12. This is the cool thing. So we just read how Joshua and Caleb gave a good report, right, all the way back in Numbers. Now we find Caleb 45 years later. He had a filter of faith. He had a filter of success and a filter of victory. But it still took 45 years for him to experience that blessing. And so I want to read this to you. Look, it says, And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Has he said these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the desert, and now here I am this day, 85 years old, and yet I am strong as this day as I was the day Moses sent me out to spy the land. Just as my strength was then, so now my strength for war, both going out and coming in. Now therefore, give me this mountain for which the Lord has spoke in that day. Talk about a man of faith. Now, I'm not saying that Caleb uh, was perfect, but I believe, and I, I, can't, I can't prove this to you, but I believe because I feel like that's what the Holy Spirit showed me, Caleb always expected to succeed. Caleb always knew in his heart that God said they could have accomplished that promise. God wanted to give it to him then. And I don't believe he ever let that seed of faith leave. But it doesn't mean that he never failed. Did you hear what I said? He never, he never doubted that he would succeed. But it doesn't mean in 45 years that Caleb never had failures. But maybe it was his faith that God saw, and he finally blessed him with that word, right? The bottom line is God blessed Caleb's faith. God blessed Caleb's faith. So if you want to be blessed, if you want your family to be blessed, you have to, by faith, choose Christ every single day. So can you still walk in faith in the midst of your failures? When you have failed, when you don't feel victorious, can you still, in the midst of that, choose faith? Because if you can't, you won't succeed. That's how you succeed. That's the only way you can experience victory, is in those moments you can say, you know what, I'm choosing faith. I heard you say, God, I have a scripture I'm fighting with. You've shown me the vision. You've, you give me the word, and I believe it. And I believe that's what Caleb did. Amen. Look at that next one. So what type of filter do you have? As we're talking about casting vision to our families and taking back the filter of prosperity or the filter of poverty. Now, I'm not saying that God wants all his sons and daughters to be millionaires. Jesus said it, it's, it's hard for the rich to enter into the gates of heaven. And so we have to be good stewards of what God has given us. Some people are blessed, right? But it's this vision that we have to communicate to our kids and to our family, right? Does your family understand that no matter what, they're blessed? 
And I hope that doesn't sound cliche. But if you've been paying attention to the news this week, have you seen the pictures and the images coming out of Afghanistan? God breaks my heart. People were holding on to a plane to get here. So I hope you're telling your family how blessed they are. So I hope that doesn't sound cliche. So no matter what types of toys they have, or no matter what kind of newest updated game system they have or don't have, I hope you're communicating to them that you are blessed to be born in this nation. Yeah, crazy things are going on, but you are still blessed. And so any real believer knows that their blessing is not measured in mere gold and silver and dollar bills. That our blessing is measured by what Jesus Christ has done in my heart. Right? And I begin to see even my, if it's a $2,000 car it's, it's, and, it, and it runs, I'm blessed. Right? As long as I have enough food for my family to eat, I'm blessed. Right? And that's a mentality, that's a vision. That's a filter. Right? But don't use that even as a crutch to, to, to stay put, right? We still want to grow in advance. And so be good stewards of what God has given you, but don't stay put. Right? If God gives you more, what does that mean? You get to give God back more. Right? And demonstrating that for our kids. Look at Philippians. I'm going to read three quick scriptures. Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply, somebody say supply, all your needs according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. We serve a God of leftovers. Amen. He can stretch your leftovers to bless God knows, only God knows who. Right? In Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. And so a man of God, a man with vision, a man with a filter of prosperity knows, you know what, I'm not just living for the me and the now of my family now. I want to leave so many great values and so many great blessings to be passed down that it's going to affect my kids, 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 kids. That's how blessed I want my family to be right. That's going to take faith to accomplish that. Right? That's going to take faith to accomplish those types of, of visions. That type of vision can only come from the one. To, to love and care about family members you're never even going to meet. Xander's kids, 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 kids could be blessed through what I do here. Through the life that I live now. One day when I die, I pass away, I literally have a, a baton of life that I'm going to pass. What is it going to look like? What is it going to be? That's the same for each and every one of us. You're going, to you're going to pass something on. What's it going to be? What's it going to look like? What kind of filter is it going to be? So that filter of prosperity always sees God as Jehovah Jireh, right? Elevation in the Maverick City worship made that, that word famous, I guess, this last year with that song Jireh. But did you know that the word Jehovah means God? And Jireh means provider. And so actually, when Abraham went to go sacrifice his son Isaac on the mountain because he heard the Lord say to, 
when God supplied the sacrifice, he named that place Jehovah-Jireh. So when you, experience the, when you experience the blessings of God, do you call them what they are? Do you give the credit back to God, Jehovah-Jireh? God, you provided. When you get paid every Friday, do you just you get it and you got it spent already? Or do you say, thank you, Jesus. You provided for my family this week. Because that's how we get lukewarm. That's how we get numb. We don't see. The, we, I, you owe me this. This is why people are jumping on planes, risking their lives and dying to get to where you live. Because you get a paycheck every single Friday. And so we honor God with the blessings that he gives us because he provides. Amen. Look at that next one. Do you have a filter of empowerment or entitlement? That kind of goes along with what I was just saying. And see, God wants you to be empowered based upon your faith of what God has done. And I think what the enemy wants to do in the hearts of non-believers and in the hearts of the world is, see, they look at Christians as puffed up and prideful and maybe cocky and arrogant. And that's the church's fault too. But you know, there's a difference in walking in confidence and boldness as opposed, to, as opposed to walking in pride, as opposed to walking in entitlement. And so y'all, we're never going to win people into the family of God living an entitlement type of life. You're not going to win souls to, to the kingdom of God that way. Right? God wants his children to be confident and not prideful. And confidence, I want you to see it, it empowers you to believe in something better and to still walk in love. Does that make sense? So look at Matthew 9, 10 through 13. And this is what I want to show you. What can happen if we do it wrong? Or even worse, pass on the wrong filter, right? So while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors Tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Talk about a filter of entitlement and pride. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy. Not sacrifice, for I have come to call, not come to call the righteous, but call sinners. Amen. When you are a sinner, know you've been saved by his mercy and your grace. What does that do? That empowers you. Right? That makes you thankful. That makes you see how blessed you are. And if you really believe that and experience that, what do you want to do? You want to share that with anybody who will listen to you, right? Not in a boastful way, not in an arrogant way, not in an entitlement type of mentality, right? So the Pharisees, they had become entitled and prideful. And hear me, church, if you don't lean on Jesus every single day by his leadership of the Holy Spirit, you will begin to experience entitlement and pride. And so we have to stay at his feet. The world will not accept the gospel. The church lives this way. All right, look at that next one. Do you live with a life of filter of significance or insignificance? Does your family know that you fight the hardest for all the important things? Does your family know what's most important to you? I hope it's, it's family. I hope it's, it's faith. I hope it's God, country. 
all those things, right? And you fight the hardest for the most significant things. Here's the thing the Lord has shown me. We are spinning our gears, wasting so much valuable energy and time and effort on the insignificant things. The things that we've built up in our mind that really don't matter. We're not focusing on the matters, the family matters. We're focused on all this other stuff that the enemy really uses to to distract us and confuse us. And if I could hone in and focus on those, those important things, then God can reclaim those things for his glory. Right, look at Hebrews eleven twenty three. 23. By faith, this is kind of a, a weird scripture to use, but I'll, I'll, I'll tie it all together. By faith, Moses' parents hid him from three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. I want you to underline that. They saw and recognized the significant thing, the important thing. They were in the midst of, uh, they were killing all the babies, right? But they, it says they were not afraid of the king's edict. So they didn't allow what was going on around them to change their filter. They weren't going to kill their baby or surrender their baby. They knew God had a plan and a vision. And are you thankful? <laughs> that was Moses. Come on, somebody. First four books of our, first five books of our, what we believe. Led the the Israelites out of bondage and slavery. And so, but they had, to, they had to make a choice. And every choice that we make, this is what I want you to see, has spiritual significance and consequence. So the things that you say and the things that you don't say, the things that you do and the things that you don't do, have repercussions, right? They have consequences. Look at that next one. Don't worry, I'm wrapping this up. So the filter of faith or fear. The last one I want to leave you with today. Do you walk by faith? Do you walk by fear? Does your family know that they have what they speak and what they think? If fear is not from God, fear is to get you to stay in a place of doubt and inactivity. And does your family know that you can have what you say? You can hold, you can claim that fear and make it your own. It's not from God, but you can hold on to it. It's going to take faith to get you off that cycle of death to say, you know what, I'm believing something better. I'm not going to doubt. I'm going to believe that God can and that he will and that he fights for me, right? Faith and fear literally cannot coexist together. They're the exact opposites. If you're living in fear and, and doubt and stress, you're not following Jesus. I hope that doesn't sound harsh, but you're not living by faith in those moments. He wants you to trust in Him, even when you can't see Him. Right? 2 Corinthians 4, 17-18. This is the awesome scripture I want to give you. For our present troubles are small. Somebody say small. And won't last very long. That's somebody who understands they needed to change their filter. They saw the problem, but they didn't call it big. They called it small. They called it what God sees it, right? Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we won't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that we cannot see or things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone and the things we cannot see will last forever. Fear keeps us trapped in what we see and faith transports us into what we can't see. Fear keeps you trapped into only what you can see, touch, and feel. Faith transports you into the things you can't see yet. Come on, somebody. 
The things that you're believing God to do, that's what faith transports you into. Fear keeps you stuck in what you can see, touch, smell, and feel. And the problem, and the problem becomes bigger and bigger the longer you stay there. Faith literally transports you into a place that says, you know what? God can. If God be for me, who be against me? My family's blessed no matter what it looks like. I'm blessed. I'm gifted. I'm talented. I'm anointed. I'm appointed. I'm called in Jesus' name. That's the exact opposite, living by faith than living in fear. But only you can do that. You have to be your best worship leader. you got to stir yourself up and tell the devil who he is and tell him who you are in the eyes of God. Right? The next point, here's the good news. Through spiritual family, your forever family, your filters can be enhanced, enlarged, and replaced. God wants us to walk by faith. Y'all look at Philippians 4.13. What does it say? Y'all know. You're all super smart. Right? For I can do all things. Say that with me. All things, right? All things through Christ who strengthens me. If we really believe this, what can't you accomplish? If you really believe that, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but are you committed to that scripture? Are you committed to that belief? Are you committed to the word of God? Are you committed to that Nazarene, that's the, the, the son of God that we call Jesus? Because if you are, he can accomplish it. That last point, family matters because in our families we discover our identity, define values, and develop vision. You are a cultural engineer. That's literally what we are, folks. And through Jesus Christ, we can re-engineer our world. But we got to do it through our families. To, if you want the world to be a better place, it has to start with your family. If you want your community to be a better place, it has to start with your family. If you want the world to be a better place, make your family better. Wherever God has planted you, make that place better. I'm going to go ahead and and quote the great coach, Nick Saban of the Alabama Roll Tide. We got football season like just around the corner. Got people leaving. He said to his team one time, just give the best part of yourself to where your feet are now. Where your feet are right now, give me that best part of who you are, where you are right now. We get stuck of where I am, and mentally I'm in some other space. God gives you all this time to spend with your family, and you're, you're in, with your family thinking about work. You're stressed out about this thing. You're stressed out about this issue. Wherever you are, if you're sitting in church, give God all you got right now where you're at. Some of y'all are already thinking, checking out about lunch right now. It's okay. If you're at work, give your work, all that, you're, that you got, where you're at, where you're at, at work. And so in the family that God has placed you, your physical family and your church house, I hope you have a home church, give him your best. Give him all that you got. Because that's how we're going to take back our world for his glory. Amen? Amen. Y'all, y'all join me in prayer this morning. However you like to pray if you want to bow your head and close your eyes. And so if you're gathered here this morning, I know we're talking about family. I said that there would be a point and a time and place that if you have never surrendered your life to God or where you're a place where you call Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, that there would be a moment for you to do that. That moment has come. So if you're either gathered here in our sanctuary, physically at our location, maybe you're watching, joining us online, Right now, that time has come, I want you to to sit in his presence. And if God is dealing with your heart, 
and you feel like right now you're kind of on the outside looking in. You don't feel like you're a child of God. If you, if you don't feel like you're a child of God, it may be an indicator that you haven't surrendered your life to Him. And so if you want to be a part of that, if you want to become a child of God today based on your faith in His Son, I want you to do something for me. It's super easy. It's something you do every single day without even thinking about it. But right now it's going to be significant. It's going to be a moment in time that you can always look back and say, no, you know what, that Sunday, that day, I said not today, devil. I'm going to believe in Jesus today. So if you want to do that right now, that's what I want you to do. I want you to simply just stand up. Stand up all across this building, all in this sanctuary. If God's talking to you, if he's dealing with your life and in your heart, right now I want you to stand up. If you're watching us online, go ahead and put it in the chat. Say, I'm standing or making a decision for Christ. And then I'm going to give you a few more seconds if you want to change your life today. You can do that. You can do that. Well, I don't know if somebody is doing this, watching us online. So what I want to do is I want to just lead us all in a prayer in case somebody's making that decision watching with us today. Amen. So let's, it's going to go like this, loud and proud. So repeat after me. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. In this moment, I accept your son. I believe in Jesus Christ. And I confess that he is Lord and Savior over my life. I thank you, God. Now, please send your Holy Spirit to lead and guide my life for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good stuff. Well, hey, we are so glad that y'all came and did church with us today. We love you, okay? Who's glad you came to church? awesome. We're glad you came too, okay? Y'all come back and see us again next week, okay? We love you. Y'all are dismissed.